From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. First and goal on the Dolphins one. Zamir White, the setback behind Stidham. Handoff, trying the middle. Zamir White pushing, pushing in. TDLV, an opening drive touchdown for the Raiders. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked. Tashawn Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. The clock hits zero. And that's another Vegas victory. 15-13. Josh McDaniels and company improved to 3-0. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour. Ari's here. Willie Ramirez is here, not in the open. Could be trouble there. Could be trouble there. Steve Cofield, Cofield and Company, <laughs> Finley Toyota Studios. We'll be on the road the rest of the week. Tomorrow, battleborn injury lawyers at the BBBBBBC. Thursday, Silver Sevens. Friday, our home every Friday, every Friday, Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I'm getting punchy. I'm getting punchy. We have a lot of good audio to get to this hour. We have a good conversation on the way with Beth Moens. By the way, Jason Horowitz on all those Raiders calls there. Busy 5 o'clock hour, and I'm wondering about the focus of Willie. I feel like he's been kind of beaten and bandied around here today on the show for the first two hours. I expect a strong close. I think he's going to be fired up, especially with what we're coming out with. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. I knew this was going to be an issue. Oh, I go down to the Raiders facility uh, every so often. I try to get out there once a week. You know, I'm uh, covering the UNLV beat. They coincide with morning practices. And one thing I've noticed, you have a very tight-knit group with the Raiders media, including people bringing in snacks at times, you bring in donuts. But the Raiders also have some snacks there, I think. Is that Raider provided or is that media provided? It's Raiders provided. Okay, Raiders provided. Yeah. Um, I've never grabbed a snack because I'm not a regular. I feel like that would be a violation. And I also think you guys watch everything in that room like Hawks. I told, I told you last week, I came in a little bit late and some seats in the back where I normally just hide and do my work and listen, those were taken. So I went right to the front row and I turned around and someone's like, Give me a look, like mother. Like, even, I'm like, I'm just, even though, even I, I just want to find a seat. I had a seat saved. I know you had one yeah, saved. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I walk in, I get all discombobulated. Uh, now the the New England media is in town. Oh boy, boy, are, are you they... guys blending and coexisting with the Patriots media? Boy, are they! Now you know what. It's funny because I had a phone conversation driving into <laughs> with one of my media vendors who I do some freelance work with, and it's like, "Well, I'm headed out it's real early, and we got I've, we got a text message saying, get out there early because the Boston media is here.'" So I was on the text line about five thirty this morning to tell someone who's out there pretty earlier, earlier than all of us. It's like, uh, "I want I want equipment, I want backpacks, I want," but come to find out that our boys with the PR department. Thanks to our PFWA president, sure. requested name tags. That's good. All the seats were labeled. So all the seats were labeled. There were Excellent. about six seats unlabeled. Um, what was the snack situation? Well, did it get ravaged, or everyone re- was responsible? Like, hey, I don't belong here, so I don't take other people's snacks. Oh no, they went right for it, and 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 they do a good job of trying to spread it out. Like they they bring the baked chips, the thin crisp 
instead of all, you know, which cuts maybe the and they fat went right content. for the chips. Well, there's that, and then you got the 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 like the the kind bars or the Cliff bars and the, the thin wafers. Like if you walked the, into the Patriots the veggie media straw room, chips. cross country, don't you take like the veggie straw suck? Would you take the worst thing? Be like, you know what? I don't belong here. I'm gonna take something, but I'm gonna take the worst thing. Honestly, if I was bake lays, someone's I grabbing would, the bake lays. I would bring my own stuff. That's a good point. I wouldn't grab anything, I but apparently they just they went to town. Yeah. Couple, couple of, couple of the, couple of the former, uh, the uh, fel- our fellow locals. He goes, "What's up with the boss meeting? Just come in to well, take our stuff." Let me tell you, it got worse than that because Q went on the air yesterday. He was livid. Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Apparently, there were some uh, bathroom decorum issues. Just slamming doors, oh, walking yeah. in front of people up at the press conference. What? We had a guy that was in the media room, and he's from the New England media, and he's a very well known media member. My man came in. While Jermaine Illuminor was was talking, and normally if one of the guys beats us to the you know to the podium, we'll just wait outside until that session is over. You don't want to walk in there and the door creaks and makes noise and then slams. He let all of that happen. He walked in, door slams behind it, walks to the back of the room, grabs his bag, walks into the bathroom, takes a leak. You know, I know he flushed. I don't think he washed his hands. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. So then flushes the toilet and then opens the door while the toilet's flushing. So all you hear is every day, two to five, unnecessary roughness. Michael Winslow doing the show over on nine twenty. What was going on there? What's all the noise effects? Or was those drops? He 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 came in and he went to the bathroom and when when Q says he grabbed his bag, zippers zip zip, and you're right underneath the live mic at the back of the room. So unzipping went right into the bathroom as Q said. So today. Before Derek Carr entered, member of the Raiders PR team, there will be no let's ha- let's show some etiquette. Oh, you gotta get a talking to. There, there'll be these guys came in no bathroom breaks during the wow. press conference, and if you're outside, please don't. You wait till the conference is now, this, over. This whole anyone who's listened to Cofield and Company and the overmanaging of life that Adam Hill does—that's all an Adam Hill creation. You know, he went right to the PR people and was like. Okay, this well, guy's making noise. He's being yeah. rude. Okay, we gotta set rules because Adam just overthinks everything. Here's the only thing that I went off on today. I walked out and I says, I don't know who was in the room. Uh, I mean, I do know who's in, but I don't know who else. And I said, listen, I'm not sure who's in it, and I don't care if you're from Boston either, Vegas or Boston. But y'all guys, they can't lift the seat and then dribble on it. Are foul oh, straight no. up. You yeah. are foul individuals because when I go to lift the seat Pee and I have seat. to and I have to pinky, you know, just barely touches just because it's y'all are foul and I don't care if you're from Vegas or Boston. I'm letting y'all know. Imagine the women who have to sit after guys pee all over the seat. Exactly, or and all over the. Floor. I didn't know about this part. This yeah. is the whole big five now. It's horrible. <laughs> We've we've lost our way. Well, I'm gonna have to show some restraint. Good news. We're gonna have to carry this over to tomorrow. Problem. I didn't know there was peeing on the seat. Number four. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. I was very excited to hear Derek Carr talk about the Dana White story uh, where Dana White, the UFC president, put together, he thought, a deal to get Brady and Gronk mm-hmm. to the Raiders. Gruden turned it down, so we're all thinking, hey, did Brady call Carr a mother blanker on the shop? So Vinny from Raider Nation Radio 920 comes out uh, with this question, and here's a response from Derek Carr. There was a story that came out on Saturday, Tom Brady, Dana White. Yep. First of all, any thoughts on that? And then also, are you kind of immune to all the nonsense? And- By now. Yeah. I would hope so. Okay. 
I don't think you're going to get a good answer from Derek Carr if you immediately say that the situation is nonsense. Because it's really not. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, can I interject real quick? Is it going to be real quick? You don't have to say uh, interject real quick. You're on the show. Go ahead. Okay. Well, no, I didn't know if if you were going to. Because I was asking you guys. I'm like, hey, when you frame a question and call it nonsense, you're kind of getting Derek Carr out out of it. But I also, I was asking other people, I'm not down there. Like, did the Raiders say, hey, don't ask about this? You're just trying to, like, kind of tiptoe your way in? I get your point. But here's the thing. Okay. Out of the the entire incident. Yes. Out of the entire incident. I get the story is that Dana said he had this deal brokered. Brokered. Mm -hmm. I get all that. But has anybody not centered maybe on the part when you talk about like, how's Derek Carr going to feel? Oh my God, we can't wait to ask him. Shouldn't he feel good that Gruden nixed it? He should. He huh? should. He should. Right. So that would be. But, to I, me, but I think it's. I think it's very fascinating. If Tom Brady said you kept that mother blanker uh, over I me, that's a great that. angle. I, I understand that. And that's a touchy and, subject. And, 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 and we believe that Derek Carr has said that I'll Brady that has responded to him in the past and said, oh, "I wasn't talking about you." No, and we also know that he said something like, "I'm kind of getting old to fight, but if I have to, da da da, something to yeah, that yeah. effect." So I get all that. I'm just saying the only part that's not been brought up is that. Gruden nixed it, so no, uh, Carr shouldn't feel any way about the brokering part of it because, first of all, I don't remember Dana White being a partner with Mark Davis, so him brokering anything, eh, big deal. But the fact that Gruden nixed it, I think, if anything, he's like, yeah, okay, so he could broker all he wants, but my coach at the time nixed it. Number three. Very important stuff to break down. Mark Davis. Uh, you got a one-on-one with him. Oh, yeah. But that, on the heels of that conversation the other night, we find out that now the Raiders are valued at $5.1 billion, a top 10 franchise in the National Football League. 49% jump from last year. So if he wanted to, if Davis wanted to flip the Raiders, he could get $5 billion? Probably, probably could. We're fascinated with Mark as a sports fan. Kind of a common guy, very rich common guy. And we asked you last week about the white jackets, right? Hey, go to Mark Davis and find out. He's wearing the white jacket everywhere at sporting events. He's got to have multiple jackets. So here's Willie's just like, you know, during an Aces game, let me just grab Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders and the Aces in the back. We're at halftime of the Aces game with owner Mark Davis. And for the fans out there who have been inquiring with the show, I personally have the over, by the way. We want to know how many white blazers uh, clean ones, new ones. <laughs> I have three new ones hanging in the closet waiting for this one to get dirty. Okay. Courtside Club. Mini hot dogs or the carving station? Which one's better? I couldn't tell you. I think they're all good. Okay. What was the look on his face when he asked about the mini hot dogs on the carving station? I think he was he was more thrown because he didn't know what I... Because I prefaced the whole thing and say, hey, we're going to have some fun here. He goes, okay. Okay. And so, but he, I, I think, you know... I don't think that he wanted to degrade anyone from Mandalay Bay, and I also don't think that he wanted to admit that he goes for, per your source, the mini hot dogs, and he's never gone to the Carver station. Carvering. Carver. But that's a good, he, he, it's a good thing. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what we're building here is that right. he's a mini hot dog guy over a carving station guy. Right. Which is very admirable. The white jacket thing is still kind of confusing. So, you're, you're perplexed so, by it because you think he should maybe have seven or eight. Well, or I think 12. you should rotate them. And it sounds sounds like he's he's like, I'm just going to let it get dirty and disintegrate, and then I move on to another one. 
Now, I, I will tell you this. It, in, in doing that little quick interview, on the, he was on his way to the courtside club. In doing that, I um, I was looking like deep into the like the thread count of what. And you, it, you really stared him down. Well, it wasn't what I thought it was because I've said and last week. I said jokingly when we talked about this, I said like the Don Johnson, the Miami Vice, but it's it wasn't so more like a tweed. It, it yeah, it was like a really nice fabric. It was okay. a, it was a, it was a decent blazer. You have to follow up on this because I I talked to you off the air and you're like ah, I should ask a couple more questions. There's, there's some real investigative journalism to, to, to be done here on these white jackets. No one wears white jackets, and it's his thing. Excuse you. Excuse you. Yeah, but you wear, like, it's like a— Sammy P. just got done saying. It, it wasn't even buttercream. It was it was off-white cream. I mean, it I know, was... but that, he, he, he's a casual white jacket oh, guy. Yeah. You're like a fancy white jacket guy. And Ooh. big, like, blubbery fellas, like, my, like white jackets ain't going to work. It was a full suit. So I, I, I admire are, are what he's doing. Are you trying to say that you would look like the Michelin Man? I, it would look really bad. There, I have, I have, I have a ton of like old shirts yeah. because I, you know, I just I screw up colors when I'm buying stuff. I like reds out, yellow for. I mean, I I got like a nice. It was a gift. I got a nice Hawaiian type yellow, and every time I put it on, I'm like, oh boy. So for Mark Davis to pull off white is pretty impressive. That's all I, I'm saying. Well, I don't think that Mark cares. I mean, his his bank. Oh, goal, everyone cares. I don't think so. Cares about his hair. Gets that cut like every two weeks. Right? Everyone cares. Well, not everyone. Number two. Sorry, I started thinking about people on the show who don't care, so not you're right. Not not every guy is very much down with with how they look out at games. All right. Darren Waller practice today. What'd it look like? Uh he he looked fantastic. I mean he like he, he had this invisible look to him. <laughs> okay. He had the invisibility cloak and he was moving along. And and here's the thing, nobody could touch him. This is a crazy story. He showed up for a practice last week. He's been gone, you know, for the better part. We know he's around because he's been at Aces games. Yeah. And he, he wasn't out there at all. I mean, the, I know we've, you know, we've got a couple of media people who come out with the binoculars. They track him. Nope. All right. Nowhere to be found. Hamstring flare-up? Nope. I think it goes back to everything that we have agreed upon that I said that other people, like, we all have our own theories of how he's been promised the contract. Right. I mean, I think that he's just avoiding... And, and I'm not saying that he didn't get dinged up, and if that if that if that's what's been put out there. But here's the thing, you know, even though it's it's you know shefty with his you know sources, don't you think if it really was a hamstring that at some point it would come out like we would hear a little bit more? There would be more to. He's the only usually even if he breaks stuff, we hear it. This is bottom line a clear hold in. This is a dude who deserves a ton more money and knows what he's capable of as a top three tight end. Um, he's sitting in in strategically in a specific area. Mark Davis is there. Halftime, they're both in the courtside club. So, you know, he's a, it's he's clearly waiting for the promise that has been made in that he will be taken care of by the start of the season. He made the comment to me, he made the comment to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN that he, he should be back the following week, which he was, so he made good on his promise, and then he disappeared. He didn't go to Miami, just like a lot of the players. Now, he didn't come out to the game until half after halftime. He was he was somewhere else in the building. So I'm You're talking about the Aces game? Yes. Okay. So I'm wondering if possibly they're like, hey... We're already hearing it that, you know, 25, 30 people didn't, 20, whatever it was, players didn't make it. If you're going to go out there, 
halftime of the Aces game, the, the other game should be over, whatever. I don't know. I have no clue. But I'll, I, what I do know is that Darren Waller and his agent, they're strategically doing whatever it is that they're doing when it comes to the contract, what I would call a hold-in. And I think that if that's what he wants to do, then all, by all means, because he's well underpaid, but I think he'll be back in time for the season. Coming up, we're going to talk about – you can hit number one. I got Number one. Coming up, we're going to talk about the joint practice, what Willie saw out there with the Raiders and the Patriots, some Patriot media reports on it, also what Derek Carr thought of joint practice. But first, giveaway time. Luke Bryan is in town at the end of the month doing three big shows for Labor Day weekend. Tickets available for August 31st, September 3rd, September 4th. Luke Bryan, AXS.com, Resorts World. We've got two tickets right now. Caller 7, Ari's going to hook you up. 364-1100. Luke Bryan at ResortsWorldAXS.com. You can grab your tickets for Labor Day weekend. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. So I feel like we should be coming in and kind of playing the game, Willie. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield playing the game of joint practice. Unbelievable. Patriots did not look good. But we got to layer that with it's practice. And I know joint practice for the Raiders clearly is more important than anything they've done in terms of preseason games, especially, well, specifically with some of the key guys, right? Like Derek Carr is part of the joint practice. And he talked about liking joint practices and explained it's better than 13 or 14 plays in a preseason game. So he was very high on the joint practices. He did come out of it, though, in spite of the fact that, man, there were a lot of Patriots writers who were hammering the Patriots today. Carr came out of it saying, you know, there were some good things. You know, we won at times, but we still have a lot to work on. There's some things that we did really well today, and there's some things that when we turn the film on, we're going to be like, oh, wow. You know, stuff that doesn't even catch your eye. Some stuff that, wait, we had a good play, so everyone's excited. But you're like, oh, man, this is close to not, not being so good, right? I think that one thing I believe in that Josh keeps talking about is just not getting caught up in where we're at. Just get caught up in where we're going, you know, and always constantly just trying to be better and and that's just what he keeps preaching. So that's what we keep preaching because he's our leader, you know. And I think that, you know, again, we're at a place where we can, you know, play competitive football and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's exciting and it's fun to be able to have all those reps with the guys today. Um, but again, I still think that there's always room in certain areas to definitely improve. The Patriots media was intense on this, real intense on this. Greg Bedard is one of the guys we've had on the show. He's a good Patriots media source. Uh, he hammered. The Pats, or how they played early on in the 7-on-7. Seven seven. As practice went along, he tweeted out, it got worse. Worst offensive practice of camp. Mac Jones picked off to end. Awful two-minute. He was pissed and paced the sidelines after. Run defense, only positive today. Pass defense, carved up by Carr, Adams, and Renfro. No Waller. Ten minutes later, he said, great finish for the Patriots, D-N-O. Defense... Stop the Raiders, thanks to Carr overthrowing wide open Bolden in the end zone. Uh, Judon Sack held. Offense got born TD from Mac Jones to end drive that featured good completion to a bunch of receivers. One sack on the drive. Really strong. 
Yeah, back boy, they're, they are they are into this joint practice. But oh. you're feed, but you're feeding the beast. You're they're, feeding you're feeding the northeast corridor maniacal fan beast. Listen to me. There were more combined Patriots PR and Boston media than there were Vegas PR. Uh, Raiders PR and Vegas wow. media, no doubt about it. When for Belichick's media availability this morning, it was wild. You would have thought that it was a playoff game, where everybody was there. Some some people warning us, hey, you got to create a halo. They'll kick you out of the scrum. They'll tell you to leave if you're if you don't create a halo. He's got to have five feet. He's got to have this. He's got to have that. <laughs> I was like, what are you oh talking? I mean, uh, where's the where's Secret Service? <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was awesome. it, it was pretty wild. I yeah. mean, it was pretty wild. It's like you know, it's it's everything you would have thought. Like Patriots and Belichick, there should have just been like some harps playing and the 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 pearly gates open as he walked around and everything. It was a, uh, it was definitely an event. So I get what Carr is saying, and I and, and when he's saying you know, joint practices provide a different look. I mean, of course they do. They provide different look, different angles, different systems. Um, and that's what you have to take advantage of. And based with the fact that he said, I'm going to get more out of this than I would from 14 or 15 reps in a preseason game, leads me to believe that we won't see him on Friday. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. I say Tyree Hill, and then like you say, guys like Wall or guys like Renfro that can, you know, that that can change the game. If you, if you don't game plan them right, they can hurt you. So did you just start a conversation with Tyreek Hill and go to Hunter Renfro? No, it's different. Hunter Renfro, the psychopedia salesman. No, they ain't no psychopedia salesman. Hunter really liked that. Turn the film on, you watch film, don't Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Wow, some nice respect shown there by Chargers' Derwin James, who just got a big deal. Ryan Clark on his podcast, is he clowning on Renfro? That Renfro and Tyreek Hill, I guess, not in the same league, and Derwin James fired back. Hey, turn on the film. Beth Mowens has been on these games in the preseason. She's on the game again this Friday as the Pats are in town with the joint practices, and then they get on the field for the preseason game. Beth, you're up on Cofield and Company. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're uh, we're glad you're on. We're we're fascinated by what's going on with the joint practices. We're we're fascinated by what's going on in the preseason, and you know how much you take out of all these things. It's all part of the mix, but how much do you take out in terms of you know season expectations? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's important for the depth when you you know you talk about the entirety of an NFL season, which now stretches seventeen games. So. From that standpoint, um, I, I think there are some important things going on when you you look at the running back room, you look at the wide receiver room, and just how not only good they are at the top, but how deep you can go and how versatile you can go with these running backs. I, I you know, you're still playing with one ball, right, guys? But you have a lot of different directions you can go. Um, whether it's running the football, whether it's on third down, you can utilize whether it's, you know, red zone, you, you can put uh, Adams on one side and 6'4 Mac Collins on the other side and 6'6 six, six Darren Waller as your tight end. And, you know, how do you defend that? So I, I, I love that sort of getting, you know, into the weeds a little bit in the preseason when you talk about how deep you can go at certain um, positions on the field. 
But then I think the other thing is you, still the uncertainty. You know, a lot of the defensive tackles haven't had a chance to play. So what is that going to look like? Um, I, I still don't think we know, you know, who's going to be starting at corner. And, and where do you put Hobbs? Do you move him outside? Do you keep him in the slot? So I think there are some intriguing things still to figure out. But, of course, first and foremost is how much time that offensive line can buy for Carr to use all those weapons. Right, and Beth, I mean, that's just it, your la- your last point. Um, the one thing that we have seen, no matter who it is that they've been up against, is rotations of guys who are go- outside of Colton Miller who are going to be starting somewhere on that line or have the potential of starting um, somewhere in the starting five because he's rotated. Some guys have played three positions, and they've gave- given up a fair share of sacks as well. So... How concerned should Josh McDaniels be when there's yet to be some sense of of consistency? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And you know, uh, uh, perhaps one of the things I was disappointed with, with this, uh, you know, today and probably tomorrow is we don't get to see exactly where Thayer Munford fits into all of this. Um, you know, another young guy along with Dylan Parham. You know, the two rookies that may be called upon to play a, a much bigger role than perhaps was anticipated. Obviously, you have situations where um, guys become available after that final cutdown, whether they want to look in that direction or not. They seem to really um, like looking at these guys in different positions and where exactly they may fit in. And, you know, that's still the big question mark moving forward with, um, you know, where and when might Brandon Parker be back? How good can Thayer Munford be there? And, and of course, what do you do with Alex Leatherwood in, in the long term? So um, I, I, I do have faith in those guys that they're having those kinds of discussions and they're going to be able to figure some things out before opening day. The secondary last year was somewhat bolstered by having Casey Hayward in. You had, the, you know, you had obviously Gus Bradley running that uh... – a defense this year, there was a question mark coming in, but I'm I'm a little optimistic on it. I I think when you're going up against guys like Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams and you know car firing different patterns that that it sort of you know iron sharpens iron. Um, your thoughts on the secondary going into that season opener against the Chargers? Well, I, I think for all of Raider Nation, part of you is thinking that they have to pick off more passes, right? I mean, six was just such a, a tough number to, to fathom last year and, and only the nine fumble recoveries. So, you know, do you um, read into the tea leaves a little bit in the preseason? The three things they wanted to do, they've scored better touchdowns in the red zone. They haven't had as many penalties. Um, and then the third big thing I think for all of us is, for that defense to become playmakers. And when you talk to um, Josh and when you talk to the coaches, you know, that's something they have focused on right from the start. So I, I do think that, that we're seeing guys make plays in games. They could have had a couple of touchdowns in, in the Miami game if the whistles hadn't blown so quickly. And, you know, we were a little shielded. I'm sure you've been picking up bits and pieces from what went on in the practices, the scrimmages today, but there were some takeaways. There were turnovers and interceptions today. So I think there are some positives to take from that. 
Um, you know, we've had a lot of faith in guys that have come in. Some have had a good impact, others not so much in that secondary. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to really see just how good that group can be because obviously with the quarterbacks in the AFC West, you have to be able um, to hold down the fort on the outside or you're going to be in big trouble. Beth Mowen's with us talking Raiders. I'm fascinated by the roster build as Ziegler and McDaniels make decisions on the guys that were here. And, you know, some of those guys are turned into pretty damn good players. And then there was the Kenyon Drake thing, not a bad player, but from a financial standpoint, having two running backs making, you know, pretty good money is just not part of that Patriots philosophy. Yeah. You know, I, I think when you look at that defense, I really like what they have done with, with Max Crosby. I, I like the progression of divine Diablo in that second level. And then Traven Merrick looks like he is a really solid hit um, as a draft choice in the, on the third level. So there are guys there that obviously they have been able not only to draft, but also develop from the last regime and carry over. And they like what they see now with, uh, with Josh and, and, um, you know, with Ziegler and those guys. So I, I think there are some real positives to build on. You know, talking with, with Ziegler and talking with Josh, I think the thing that stood out to me most was they have been there with a front row seat to how to build a championship franchise and how to win championships. And so that, to me, has been some of the most impressive stuff that they've been able to talk about and how you build that roster um, not just with the most talented guys, but how they all fit together. And obviously they seem very comfortable with taking some of the old, taking some of the new, and how that has been able to come together with with the draft and with the free agency pickups as well. Are you surprised that Amir Abdullah made Kenyon Drake expendable? You know, I, uh, I, I had him on my fantasy team a few years ago, and I, I liked <laughs> watching him in Nebraska. I can't believe it's almost a decade ago. Um, but... I think one of the things that I appreciate is guys that, you know, make a splash early in their careers. They hit a little bit of a down spot. I think the same can be said of a guy like Brandon Bolden, who looks like he's going to stick around too and, and continue with his career. They make the adjustments. They make the changes they have to make, whether it's in their diet, whether it's in their off-season prep. And, and a guy like Amir is a great example of that. He's not a big guy, but he figures out a way to make the coach keep him on the roster, and get him on the field. So, Beth, I want to I take it off the field for a minute and, and get your thoughts on this. Um, what I've been fascinated by, I, I, you know, I, I brought up stuff with Steve, and I, I've sent topics over to him. Whenever it has to do with mental health, we just talked a big part about this with um, different sports. But we've heard more this training camp of guys talking about emotional stability and having to lose weight. Um, guys and having to deal with like uh, issues with their with their home life and, and you know and going through a divorce. Other guys who had to find their faith. Are you finding? And I think this is a good thing because I think men health matters. Um, that it's very good that we're seeing more and more football players, professional men, athletes talk about their mental health. I, I think the the more the conversations are out in the open, the better. I, I think where we really find athletes, you know, since that's the discussion right now, really get into trouble or really get into dark places is, is when it's just kept inside and they don't feel like they have anybody to talk to or share it with, or they don't think that anybody is going through the same things. And, and I, so I, I think it's a, a good thing that it's out there in, in the open and that guys can get help if they need it. They have somebody 
um, within an organization that they can talk to uh, because that is such a huge part of their life now. And, and, you know, it's a pact I think we all make when you live in the public eye. That's part of the deal. You are scrutinized um, a lot more closely, and, and certainly in this era of social media, your highs and your lows are scrutinized a lot more. And so th- this is a part of their their daily lives and a part of what they have to deal with, um, whether it's from friends and family or the anonymous idiots out there that are firing, <laughs> you know, slings and arrows at them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really love the, um, you know, the NFL had this uh, four or five years ago, this um, idea about who's in your huddle. And it's so important, whether it's in your personal life, you know, your family life, and especially in your public life. Um, you know, those folks in the cheap seats, yeah, they can fire away at you, but it's those voices that are in that huddle with you, those people that care about you and want you to get better and, and are concerned about not only the health of the whole unit, but the health of the individual that are the voices you need to listen to and that you can lean on and rely on. Derek Carr pays attention to that stuff. He says he doesn't, but he he does. And I think it's one of the fascinating. It's hard to miss. Yeah, it's hard not I, to. I, I it don't, really is. I yep. actually I think you can use it as motivation. And I actually I think one of the things that comes out of that uh, Dana White story, uh, going back to hey, I tried to put together you know a Gronk and Brady coming here and Gruden turned it down. Derek Carr should now you know look at his career and go. John Gruden chose me over Tom Brady, and now he's developing this relationship. Josh McDaniels could have moved on. Right? Hey, Josh McDaniels likes me as well. This should lead to, along with the weapons, a next-level year for Derek Carr. There should be no doubt in his mind if they believe in him. Yeah, and I, and I think that is, um, that, that's the intriguing thing about this type of situation is off the field, off-season, in your workouts, in the weight room, that can be such a driving force for you, right? That You can embrace that and use that as such a positive and then find that moment to sort of let that go, push that out of your head so that when you step on the, on the field and it's game time, you're locked into, you know, the moment and you're locked into your guys. And that, I, I, I think, no longer is as important. And it's executing the game plan, staying within myself, doing what's best for me and for my guys. And it's finding that sort of, that line that you you walk up to in your preparation and then you step across and you're a different guy, you're just Derek Carr, which is more than enough to to get the job done to be successful and to trust all the people around me that they're going to help me be successful too. Off to another football topic. Uh, How busy is your schedule for college football? Uh, got uh, got a little uh, West Coast game to start out. A little Boise State, Oregon State is where I'm headed early, and then we're kind of uh, you know scattered about for a lot of the non-conference stuff early in the season. And um, we actually, you know, contrary to NFL, where you may find out like the first couple of months of your season, <laughs> we only know a couple of weeks to start out, and then quite often uh, we may not know where we're going next until Sunday or sometimes even Monday morning that, you know, they release the schedule and, Hey, you're going here and, and you got to play a little catch up. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, this is a, a great time of year. Football's back this weekend uh, in college. And then, uh, you know, a couple of weekends, um, that, that Thursday night's going to be spectacular when the NFL returns as no, well. No doubt. We've got, a. Uh... 
crazy Western region college football season to follow because of the backdrop, too. Like, hey, what's going to happen with the Pac-12? How does that affect the Mountain West? Now, the players and the coaches just have to worry about what's going on right now, but it is looming. There are going to be changes out there. Yeah, uh, you know, crazy times, and I, I don't know if there's any way to avoid us moving much closer to a professional model for college sports in terms of, you know, you're going to have, say, you know, 30 or 40 different schools probably that, are, that have the income and that have the, you know, ability to kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack. We'll see how that plays out. But certainly uh, the Pac-12 has some major decisions to make moving forward, and, and um, the SEC and the ACC and the, the Big Ten have uh, set the bar pretty high. And you're with uh, Matt Millen and Rich Cannon on Friday? Matt Millen, Rich Gannon, big alumni weekend, as you may know. So we may have a, a guest or two on the air with us uh, to uh, you know talk about uh, uh, great Raider memories of the past, and, and always a lot of fun just to you know be able to pick Rich's mind on on a lot of the offensive stuff. And you know Matt loves to um, you know get get uh, into the weeds with the defensive guys. So <laughs> yes, always a good time. Beth, thank you so much for the time. We'll be watching on Friday. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Beth Mowens, TV voice of the Raiders in the preseason. Awesome on college football, college basketball. Big fan of her. Big fan of her. She was my number one choice for the uh, Raiders radio gig. Jason Arowitz, good choice, but I like Beth. Yeah, and uh, she mentioned the alumni. It is going to be fun. They're doing a our, – our good friend Mike Taylor told me today they're doing a rollout the black carpet on really? Friday. Okay. Yeah, so early. Friday. There's a lot going on this weekend. Tons of sports. The Patriots this in town, is, they got all their stuff going on, uh, all the other sports, the Rebel Raiders. Opener. Rebel opener as well. Aces. We got So Aces playoffs continue. And, and remember, Raiders play on Friday night. Right. And then they actually don't wheel that field out. They're not going to switch the trays. And then UNLV is back with Idaho State the next day at 1230 on the same field. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. Good job by Beth Mowens, TV voice of the Raiders, coming on with Cofield and Company. Willie's here, Ari Cofield. Look for some uh, post-show videos. We're rolling on more parts of the show. We'll get some of that stuff out there from uh, Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, NFL Insider. Uh, gave us some good stuff earlier in the show. Speaking of earlier in the show, we got a little jammed up from a time standpoint. I uh, just wanted to finish up on Derek Carr being asked uh, briefly about the Dana White story of Gronk and Brady, deal put together to come to the Raiders. Then he said, all oh, hell broke loose. Gruden turned it down. He didn't want him. Uh, again, this is uh, Vinny from Raider Nation Radio 920. Asking about uh, asking Carr about what he thought. There was a story that came out on Saturday. Tom Brady, Dana White. Yep. First of all, any thoughts on that? And then also, are you kind of immune to all the nonsense? By now, yeah. I would hope so. All right. So Derek Carr's dealt with a lot over the years, and he dealt with this Brady stuff back in 2020. You know, Camp Carr got really annoyed that there was a lot of coverage in the local paper before they even got here. Right about Mark Davis and Brady speaking at a UFC event. Here's more Carr on. This nonsense. It is what it is. Uh, you know, for me, like, I didn't even hear about it. Uh, we actually had 
within the building, someone lost a family member. So like I was so immersed in that and just talking to that person and that kind of stuff that uh, it really was it was a moment to really put things in perspective. Like it really doesn't matter. Right. So it doesn't matter. Here's a car closing things out. At the end of the day, anything I say will just be blasted out there. So I'm just going to completely remove myself and just keep trying to play football. It's been nice just answering football questions, uh, you know, and hopefully, hopefully no more drama in the city. That's what, that's what I hope. Did you miss a subliminal shot at Paul Gutierrez and Vic Tafer? I have no idea. Whatever I say is going to get blasted out there, so it's nice to answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was specifying any anyone. I think I don't a lot of I, stuff. I was just stirring. A up. lot of stuff Derek Carr says becomes internet fodder. He's, a, he's a fascinating guy to follow because yeah. he's polarizing. Not from like a personality standpoint. There, are, there's been a debate going on for years. Is this guy a top ten quarterback or is he kind of run of the mill? And, and he answered he, some of it last year by going to the playoffs. Now he's got to go next level, make the playoffs, and win some games. And I think he'll prove this year that he's top 10. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Aces, all set, WNBA. How does the schedule come together here in this next round? So now it'll be games one and two in Las Vegas, games three and four in Seattle. The if game five will be back here in Las Vegas. Now, the Las Vegas Aces decimated the Phoenix Mercury, who lost. You know, obviously they were without Brittany Griner. They're out with Deanna, Diana Taurasi. They were out with Skylar Diggins-Smith. And then in game one, they lose Shea Petty. So they completely annihilate the Mercury in the in, and eliminate them in game two. The concern I'm having is that even though Las Vegas beat Seattle for the top seed in the regular season finale, Seattle beat the number one defense in the league who you asked me who might be the most dangerous team, the Washington Mystics, when you talk about being playoff battle-tested, the team that faced the tougher competition was Seattle, and they have championship-caliber players. They have veterans upon veterans. with Sue Bird, Bree January, Jantel Lavender. I mean, these, and these are a couple of them coming off the bench. Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart. They have a lot of talent. Yes, the Aces probably had the most talented starting five. De'Eric uh, Hamby is still injured. Whether she'll be ready for this series, I don't know. But it is not going to be easy. Who's going to win Connecticut-Dallas? Oh, games in Dallas. Just give me the points. Tonight, it's Chicago and New York. Give me the points with the Liberty. Both underdogs. The, the lower seed at home catching touchdowns in both. I like the Liberty tonight for sure with Sabrina Ionescu plus seven. If I'm correct, I think you thought the Mystics were the most dangerous team yes. that could get in yep. Vegas's way. So now who is it? Well, now it's just every step. It's Seattle and then whoever's in the championship. But I think Seattle, in a sense, is the hurdle because they got through the toughest defense in the league. So, you know, from there, I think if Vegas gets past Seattle, Vegas is winning the championship. They've gotten past Connecticut. They should have swept them. Um, I think they can take care of Dallas, um, although Dallas is coached by Vicki Johnson, who is an assistant under Lambert, knows these guys, knows these ladies, excuse me. And I think that they can, I think there's something about Chicago that they have their number. Liberty, Liberty would be a fun series because it would be, the overs would be fantastic. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You see they're finally rebranding Bally's into the horseshoe? 
The MGM, you mean? My original MGM Grand. I miss the MGM Grand. Oh my, where's my old Vegas peeps? High lie. <laughs> the old school high lie. The black and white theater. They showed the black and white movies. One of my first black and whites I saw was there. Mutiny on the Bounty. You go in, they got the old school vintage couches with the, you know, look like you walked into the set of I Dream a Genie. That was a good movie. That was a great. That was a great time back then. Where are my high lie? Black and white movie, MGM theater folks from old school Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You're uh, you're slamming and jamming right now with all the stuff you're covering. Yeah. Any TV in the mix at all? Doing TV? No, I'm saying. Oh, watching? watching? No, yeah. I haven't had time. The so, only TV I'll be watching tomorrow will be Miles Simmons for you. There you go. Manti Teo documentary. I think I, you're going to love that I one. I got to watch it, yeah. The Lakers Legacy okay. documentary on Hulu. You get access to it? No. Get access to it. I'll get your codes. <laughs> Don't say that on the air. <laughs> get me in trouble. I, I got to uh, watch the, Hard the, Knocks. The Lakers documentary is excellent. Yeah, Hard Knocks coming up tonight. Lions, Campbell, calm down, bro. Please, calm down. Take a little break, Willie. A little break. A little break from the writing and the radio. Calm down. Seriously, exactly. Calm down. Good job booking the show by Ari. We'll see you tomorrow.